standing and we're going to uh, bring this time to the Lord in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be together. There's nothing quite like getting with the people of God. It's so wonderful. And thank you that we can come around your word, that we can be taught by you and, uh, Lord, filled with you. Lord, I ask that you would open our spiritual eyes and ears today, that you would anoint me to bring this word and that you would anoint the listeners to receive and that, Father, we would not leave the way we came, but we would be empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Okay. Well, if we were an airline, I would be telling you to please uh, fasten your seatbelt and uh, fold up the uh, tray in front of you because we're about to take off. <laughs> we are going to go. Are you ready to buckle in and get into it today? Yes. I'm doing part two of discerning the times. So uh, put your hand up if you were here last week, just so I know if I need to do much of a recap. Most of you were here last week. All right. That's wonderful. Okay. So we're looking at discerning the times we live in. Now, I did mention last week that there was sort of all these prophecies that you can check them off and say, yes, that's happening, that's happening. And I felt like the Lord encouraged me maybe to share those prophecies with you. When I look at news headlines, I look at it through the lens of Bible prophecy. So I, I will see something and I go, wow, that was prophesied, that was prophesied. But not everybody has studied prophecy. So um, I'm going to take you through a lot of checkpoints today to show you what God is doing. It's so exciting. It's so amazing. And so we're going to get into it. All right. I want to uh, recap that scripture from last week in Luke chapter 12, where Jesus said, uh, then he also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather. And there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? So Jesus is saying we should know from the prophets, from the word of God, the time and the season we're living in. It's very important. So the question I want to ask today is, do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? Now, um, sometimes I have woken up so peacefully and I'm like, oh, I wonder what the time is. And I glance at the clock and I realised my alarm didn't go off. And that beautiful, peaceful moment <laughs> flies out the window and I fly out of bed and I go, oh my goodness, I'm going to be late, quick. I don't like that. When I don't know what the time is, there's a good chance I'm going to miss something or I'm going to be late for something. So we need to know what the time is. So it's time to check the prophetic clock. Okay, time to check it out. Where are we in Scripture? 
Where are we in what has been foretold? What does the prophets have to tell us? And what does Jesus tell us? Well, the first place we always start when we're looking at Bible prophecy is actually with the nation of Israel. Now, why do we do that? Because the nation of Israel, um, God has chosen them to represent him to the nations. And when they rejected him the first time he came, he opened up the door to the Gentiles. But God isn't finished with Israel. There are so many prophecies in the scripture that tell us God's plan for Israel in the future. One of those prophecies, well, actually, there's many of them, where God said, I will draw you back to your land. So in 1948, when Israel was once again established as a nation, that was like the starter again of the prophetic clock. That clock began to tick. Because for nearly 2,000 years, they had been a people dispersed among all the nations of the earth. They had not had their own homeland. And it is unheard of. If you go back in history, any civilization that has been dispersed has never, ever become a civilization again. This is amazing. It is the hand of God. They not only came back to their land, their land was called what it was originally called once again, Israel. And their original language was revived. So they've come from all these countries. They speak all different languages. They come back to Israel and they all begin to learn from the rabbis the ancient Hebrew language. So not only were they restored as a people in their land with their original name, they began to learn their original language. And it is phenomenal. When I was over there, you're driving along and there's all the traffic signs and it's all Hebrew and English. And um, it's just amazing. Like this could have been what it was like in the time of Jesus, um, not the English part, but uh, probably Greek <laughs> and maybe some Hebrew and other things. Uh, so um, phenomenal. So Israel is God's timepiece. If you want to know what the prophetic time schedule is, keep your eyes on Israel. There's a lot of things. One of the main ones I want to cover off on just very briefly today is the wars of Gog and Magog prophesied um, in Ezekiel 38 and Ezekiel 39. Uh, it's a specific prophecy where God says this will come to pass in the last days. So we know he's already set the timing, the season for this to come about. The wars of Gog and Magog. Now what it says is there would be an alliance of nations who will come to take spoil from Israel, who will come to invade Israel. They will band together, they will come on all sides and they will attack Israel. It tells us that no nation seems to come to her rescue. She's on her own. And that God himself will fight for her. There will be such an earthquake. There will be pestilence poured out on those armies. They will turn on each other. And it says they will fall by the thousands on the hills of Israel. God will fight for her, all the nations of the world, it says, will know that God has fought for Israel. So this one has always been very exciting to me 
because I have read all my life all these amazing things that God has done, you know, like um, the plagues in Egypt and stuff like that. And the thought of getting to see uh, God fight for Israel in modern day times, wow, pretty cool. So what I've got up here is just a little map. So it talks about all these nations that will band together and come uh, against Israel in the last days. And I'm going to show you uh, another one, or you can even see down the side, the modern day names. So Russia, Turkey, Iran are the three top ones there. Uh, Ethiopia, Sudan, Somalia, Libya, and it goes on. So let me just look at, show you this one. Okay. This is where the Bible says these are going to come. Now, interestingly, if you look at these nations, um, we've got all these Abraham Accords that have just been signed. Um, and those nations aren't there. So there's like a division amongst Islam at the moment. Those who are, you know, normalising relations with Israel and those who are saying, you know, you've gone against Allah and our prophet by doing that and they believe that Israel should not exist. So the prophecy is that these nations would band together and would unify to attack Israel. Now I want to show you some of the recent headlines, which I just think is astonishing. Okay, so we've got here, Alliance of Gog and Magog Nations is already happening now. See this top headline over here? Russia and Turkey presidents discuss invading Israel. Isn't that unreal? Wow. I mean, wow. Russia, out of patience with Israel in Gog of Magog sign. Here's another one. Russia turns. Up here, Turkey prepares multinational Islamic um, agreement. We have just had Russia, Turkey and Syria in discussions and they have come to an agreement. It's a strange agreement because they're all rather like... Uh, uh, Erdogan there is, and Vladimir Putin, they're both very, like, they're the boss, you know, they're the top dog. So they've come to this agreement where they can agree on things that they don't like, and they don't like Israel, and that's what has unified them. So this is just amazing. This is what I mean. When you begin to see the prophecies and then you begin to see the headlines and you go, this is what the Bible said. Now, this was the prophet Ezekiel. We are talking over a thousand, three thousand years ago, God said this would happen in the last days. Wow. I want to have a look at something from Second Peter here. He says this, for we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Not cunningly devised fables. Jesus is the real deal. And 
We can tell the word of God is the real deal by this sort of thing. Prophecy is how we know that the Bible is true. Only God can truly tell the future. And then uh, Peter goes on in this verse here to say, We have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shines in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So he's calling it a more sure word of prophecy. What does that mean? If God said it, then you can guarantee it's going to happen. There, there is no question whatsoever. If you actually went back and you studied, the, there's at least 300 prophecies about Jesus' first birth. It would seem like it was impossible. Like, this is not going to happen. How can he be called, my son came out of Egypt and be called a Galilean and a Nazarene? And how can he uh, be born in Bethlehem when he's supposed to be from Nazareth, but then he's supposed to have Egypt in his background? Like, that's not going to happen. But God interwove the events of mankind into such a way that every single thing he prophesied happened. Exactly how it said it would happen. Even to the very day that he died, the day he came into town was precise on that donkey. It was fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely amazing. This is how we know the word of God is the word of God. I'm going to get to uh, some more of this checklist. Do you know I have, and this is nowhere near all of them, but we're just looking at 40 things that have already happened or are happening today so that we can know the time. Look at this, 2 Timothy 2, 3. Oh, sorry, 2 Timothy 3, 1. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now, I've put the Greek up there so you can see it as well. Perilous times. In the Greek, this means harsh, savage, difficult, dangerous, painful, fierce, grievous, hard to deal with. Has anyone been through anything where they can relate to any of those words? <laughs> wow, grievous times. You know, I, I can't even look at some news headlines because they're so grievous to me. They literally bring me physical agony because uh, the fact that one human being can do something like that to another human being is so hard to comprehend um, that I, I sometimes can't. And particularly headlines that involve children, um, it just makes me sick to my gut. I can't even... I can relate to that word grievous, grievous times, dangerous, painful, fierce, hard to deal with. The word describes a society that is barren of virtue but abounding with vices. It sounds exactly like our society today. The other thing here, it says, knowing this, that in the last days perilous times will come. That word times there 
in the Greek means opportune time, a set time, an appointed time, a due time, a definite time, a seasonable time, a proper time for action. So this, again, like I was saying last week, this is a prophesied, appointed, set time. And it's talking about the perilous last days. Then we get to our checklist. And there are so many here. And I think we're going to um, see some stuff. And many of you probably already know some of this. But um, just to have it reinforced is amazing. Let's have a look at just the first part of this checklist that we get given in 2 Timothy. So men will be lovers of themselves. I just wonder, with all the phones we have now and the cameras on them, if we were to look through people's photos, the majority of them are probably related to themselves because we've got this wonderful little button you can touch and it turns the camera around and you can do selfies. Men will be lovers of themselves. Uh, I had an occasion, um, oh, probably a month ago or so now, where I was driving to work and I started dodging massive pieces of tyre on the road. And I'm like, oh, oh. And then as I get around the bend, there's a car right in the middle of my lane and an elderly man, I would have pitch him around in his 70s, perhaps, um, and he's sort of standing next to his car, bewildered, and, and his tyre is gone. There's just a rim. And um, so I pull over. Well, I, like, swerved because I couldn't stop that fast. So I swerved around him and then went up and pulled over and came back to see if I could help him. And this poor gentleman, he was just like, I said, have you got a spare tyre? He said, yes, but... I haven't changed one for so many years and I don't think my knees can get me down there. And so, um, and I'm thinking, well, my knees can, but <laughs> I haven't changed a tyre for a long time either. So I said, oh, well, um, you wouldn't be in RACQ, would you? He said, yes, yes, but I don't know their number and I don't know how to use my phone. I said, well, I can help with that. So... Uh, I'm on the phone to RACQ and uh, I'm, this gentleman had such an accent, the lady couldn't hear him, so I'm interpreting, you know, yes, his name is, what's your name? And I'm telling her and all this stuff. And while I'm doing that, a council truck comes from the opposite direction and um, they pull over and I think, wonderful, they're going to move the car off the road. No, he wound down his window and he goes, what? Bleep, 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 are you thinking parking there? And I'm on the phone to the RACQ and I'm like, no, no, sorry, I'm talking to you, it's all right, it's all, I'm trying to, and I'm like, excuse me, sir, this, this gentleman, he can't move the car, it's on the rim, he's not, doesn't, you know, he's, we're trying to get the RACQ, it's okay. It's not okay. Well, he went off his tree, so finally I just said, well, maybe your gentleman can move it off for him. <laughs> Pulled over. Uh, got the car off the road and still had a bit to say and off they went and finally we got it sorted for the RACQ to come. But men will be lovers of themselves. That was just a good indication, like 
That response could have been so different. They could have pulled over and said, hey, is everything all right here? Do you want a hand to get that off the road? Yeah, he was visibly, you know, visibly distressed. I would just felt like, don't pick on him. I don't like people picking on particularly the elderly. Anyway, should have rolled my sleeves up and went, come on. No. <laughs> I don't like my chances of winning, but, you know. Uh, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers. That means slanderous and abusive speech. Wow, everybody's a keyboard warrior now online. Slanderous and abusive speech. I can say anything I want about you because I'm behind my little keyboard. I'll just abuse you even though I don't know you, even though I haven't got a relationship with you. I'll tell you everything I think about you. That is the kind of society we're living in. Disobedient to parents. Unthankful. What do they call it? The entitled entitlement generation? Instead of saying, thank you for this, well, so you should give it to me. Oh, that one gets me, I tell you. You can tell, eh? I can feel the unrighteous anger arising. Um, unholy. Now, you know what that word holy means, right? Holy means to be separated unto. And I was thinking about this. Sometimes people label themselves as followers of Jesus, as Christians, but they haven't separated themselves from the world in any way. When they look at their lives, you wouldn't really know they were Christians. Unholy, unloving, unforgiving, irreconcilable. I thought that one was very interesting. Have you ever had a big fight with someone and many years later you remember the fight but you don't remember what you fought about? The only thing I actually remember fighting with my sister about was we had Vegemite headbands. They had these little bobbles on the end that were little bottles of Vegemite. I do remember fighting about that. But you know, stuff that seemed so important to us at the time really isn't. And yet people hold on to things they don't want to let go. You hurt me. Well, what did I do? I don't remember. <laughs> wow. That's the generation we're living in. And it keeps going. It's a big checklist. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. That's a biggie. The scripture tells us in the last days that they would call what was good evil and what is evil good. And I can think of a big list of things that are evil that have been touted as good all over society. Despisers of good. Do you know, because you're here and you want to follow Jesus, there's a whole lot of people that are going to despise you just for that reason. Because you're one of them bigots. I'm a big it. <laughs> what does that even mean? No. Um, <laughs> traitors. Headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. 
You know, the power of God, it tells us what that is. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So what this is, is people having cliche sayings that they sound Christian and godly, but they don't know the way of salvation, therefore there is no power to save. Crazy. Now there's another checklist in Matthew. I like this one too. Matthew 24. 3 to 13. How you doing? You all right? All right. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, I got, I'm just going to tell you something. When I was on the Mount of Olives in Israel, like there's this valley and then there's Jerusalem. And the first thing you see is Temple Mount. And so I always picture Jesus sitting there. And of course, there's another prophecy that at his second coming, he will come and he will stand literally on the Mount of Olives and it will split in two. And there will be a riverway that goes through and all this stuff's going to happen. And uh, so I can just imagine there's Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives and he's about to tell them the prophetic future. And I mean, he... He's already, he knows exactly what's going to happen. He sees the end from the beginning. So as he's talking about this, I wonder if he's having like little images of going, yeah, it's going to be amazing. One day I'm going to stand right here and split this thing in half and ride triumphantly into Jerusalem. Oh, just so cool. Anyway, they're sitting there and they come to Jesus privately saying, tell us when will these things be? And what is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So there's three separate questions and Jesus actually answers the three separate questions um, differently. And that's why sometimes people can get confused with Matthew 24. They think that he's answering one question. He's actually answering three and he's actually talking about different periods of time. Uh, but let's, let's unpack it a little bit, shall we? Do I need a different mic or...? <laughs> I'm booming. <laughs> Matthew 24, let's have a look at this. First thing Jesus said when they said, what is the sign of your coming? When will these things be and of the end of the age? Thank you. That's better. First thing he says is, take heed that no one deceives you. So how... If I wanted to deceive someone, how would I go about that? What would make something deceptive? <laughs> it would have to appear real. Have any of you ever seen um, someone who does, like, tricks, an illusionist? Um, it's deception, isn't it? Because you're, you're looking at this and then something's happening that you don't see over here and then it makes you think that something has happened that hasn't actually happened. So it's a deception. This is the first thing Jesus says for the time that we're living in. Take heed that no one deceives you. So what that tells me is don't just be gullible. And I've had to learn this because I've been a very gullible person in my life. I will take you at face value. And if you've got a good poker face, then I will be completely a captive audience. But we have to look deeper. We have to look deeper. And how do we know the truth? 
out. My sister worked in a bank for a while and part of her teller training was to look at these notes all the time because if you see the real enough, you will recognise the fake. And so they had, and then occasionally they would throw a fake one in and see who picked up on it. And they even got like bonuses and stuff if they could recognise a fake note. And truly, the only way to not be deceived is to know the real. We have to know the word of God. If we don't know the word of God and someone makes something sound holy and righteous and they use enough big spiritual words, we might be taken in. Take heed, no one deceives you. Many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. Now, we have had a lot of people claiming to be Jesus, but it didn't say that. It didn't say there'll be a lot of people coming claiming to be Jesus. It said they will claim to be the Christ. That word Christ means the anointed one. There'll be a lot of people coming saying, I have an anointing from God to do this, and I have an anointing from God to do that, and I'm anointed for this. And they might even have signs and wonders to follow. It says they will deceive many. How do you know if they are actually anointed by God, if they are an anointed one? Go back to the word. Are they proclaiming the true message? You will hear of wars and rumours of wars. I love it that Jesus follows that up with, see that you are not troubled. <laughs> A nation's going to war. What? You don't want me to be troubled? No, all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation. Now, that word nation there in the Greek is ethnos. A race, a nation. So an ethnic group will rise up against an ethnic group. Can anybody think of something like that that might have happened in the last year or two? Something like Black Lives Matters and now it's Asian Lives Matters. and Yeah, no, apparently um, the Asians are being bullied in America. So it's their turn to matter now. You know what? Race against race. Ethnic group against ethnic group. This is what it's saying will happen in the last days. Kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilence. The word there in the Greek, a plague. Literally, this caught my attention, the disease. Isn't that interesting? You know, we used to be able to go in different places all over the world and you'd go to different areas and different areas would be affected by different ailments, different um, diseases, maybe malaria, maybe whatever. But now there's the disease. You don't even hear of anything else. I think every other disease must have vanished in the world. Pestilences, our plague, the disease... How well does the Bible know exactly what's going to happen? Amazing. Earthquakes in various places. Now, I wanted to uh, show you a few of these in our headlines. So, there will be famines. This is from um, America, USA, sorry. Wildfires, 
Flash flooding, sandstorms, extreme weather turns deadly out west. Do you know there's one part of America burning? They're already in drought, terrible drought, like what we've been through here. And there are so many fires, and this is where a lot of their crops are often grown. But on the other side, there's flooding, and they can't grow any crops because of too much water. And then you throw in sandstorms. They are saying within a very short period of time, there is going to be hyperinflation. It is going to cost so much money to get normal food, particularly fresh fruit and vegetables. We've already started to see that here. Who's noticed the price of vegetables and fruit has gone up a lot? This is exactly what Jesus said was coming. Look at this headline. Breaking. Mega 8.2 quake breaks Alaska. Tsunami waves hit. We are seeing bigger and bigger earthquakes happening all the time. And um, they're saying, you know, I found... I wish I had more time, but I'll just quickly tell you this one. I didn't put the headline up there. Okay. So, in Revelation, it tells us that there will be such an earthquake during the tribulation that 7,000 people will die. Do you know what? They have just run exercises with American troops, the IDF, so that's the uh, Israeli Defence Force, they've said, we've been looking at the data and every 110 years there's a big earthquake in Israel and we're due for one. In fact, we're overdue. So we are planning for an emergency response for an earthquake that we expect will kill 7,000 people. This is in their newspapers. Where did they reach that number? They've done these drills, what they're going to do, how they're going to get people out, which way they'll approach. They'll come from the sea to bring in aid and all this stuff. They fully believe this earthquake is coming and it's going to kill about 7,000 people. And how are they going to have enough food and emergency response to cope for it? The Jews don't read the book of Revelation. That's not in their Torah. That's not in their Old Testament scriptures. They don't know this stuff. But I look at that and go, that's unreal. That's in the Bible. Wow. Okay. What else is he saying in Matthew? All these things are the beginning of sorrows. So I really want to just point out this for a minute. Um, in the Greek there, that word sorrows means a birth pang, a pang or a throw, especially of childbirth. Pain, sorrow, travail. So all those things that we, we just listed in that checklist in Matthew there are the beginning of birth pangs. So let me go back. Right? Many deceptions coming in in the name of the Lord saying, I'm anointed, but they're actually not following Christ. Wars, rumors of wars. Sorry, wrong way. Now, Oh! What did I do? Oh, I'm back. 
Okay. Right. Where are we? Um, nation against nation, race against race, ethnic group against ethnic group, kingdom against kingdom, famines, pestilence, earthquakes. So all of these things, he said, are birth pains. Now, when I had my children and my birth pain started, it was uncomfortable, but I'm like, I got this. This is fine. But later, as that progression took place, this ain't fine no more. <laughs> Those birth bangs were coming closer and closer together. And uh, where I used to be able to sort of block it out, now it's my whole focus because that's all I can think about. And so what Jesus is trying to say is these things may not be ab- unnormal, well, abnormal, uh, famines, earthquakes, wars, They've been around a while. But where you need to pick up on the cue is when these things start happening a lot more regularly and a lot more closer together, and then when they all start converging, that baby's about to come. And so this is what he's saying. These things are the beginning of the birth pangs. Then it goes on from there. He says, they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. My favourite verse of the Bible. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Oh, who wants to hear that? You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Look at this headline. Oh, I can hardly bear it. Islamic jihadists kill nearly 3,500 Nigerian Christians, attack 300 churches in 200 days. These people, our brothers and sisters in Christ, are paying the ultimate price for having a faith in Jesus Christ. And it's not just in Nigeria. Um, Open Doors Ministry have let us know that persecution around the globe has stepped up astronomically. There are thousands of believers giving their life for Jesus every single day. All around the world. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Another two headlines I've put up here. At least 45 Christian churches set on fire in Canada as attacks escalate. Another one. Banned for biblical beliefs, Christian farmers in court after being punished for views on marriage. They were not allowed to have a stall at the farmer's market because they believe marriage should be between a man and a woman. Can you believe that? This is in America. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. It's happening, exactly as he said. Many will be offended. I don't even think I need to comment on that. I mean, has there ever been a generation more offended about everything? Yeah. Uh, Many will betray one another. Many will hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. You know, I just want to say on on this betraying one another and hating one another, we've got to remember who our real enemy is. People 
are so pumped full of fear at the moment that they think other people are their enemy. And um, we're not the enemy. We have spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. That's the true enemy. We don't wrestle flesh and blood. But it's so easy in fear to blame and to attack. And look at what he says. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. That word love there is the Greek agape. Agape is an unusual Greek word. Do you know, really, in all the ancient Greek scripts, the only place they can find this word is actually in the Bible. It's like it was a word created just for Christians. And this is what it means. Undefeatable benevolence and unconquerable goodwill that always seeks the highest good of the other person, no matter what he does. It is the self-giving love that gives freely without asking anything in return and does not consider the worth of its object. Agape is more a love by choice and it refers to the will rather than emotion, the unconditional love of God. It's the opposite of another Greek word, philio, which is... um, like a brotherly love, but it can also just mean, um, you know, like the feeling, the emotion of love. So what we have here is a love by choice, and that's what the Scripture says would grow cold. So people are instead going to be choosing a love that just makes them feel good in the moment. No commitment. And we see that everywhere, don't we? Um, I'm in this for as long as it's good for me. Otherwise, I'm out of here. Um, There isn't much commitment out in the world at all anymore. It's all about me and it's not about the other person. And that is an incredible definition of love, the love of God. But lawlessness will abound. Um, Again, I just saw another headline... um, you know, where that whole defund the police movement in um, the United States that started, some of the places where they have defunded the police, there is so much crime. Um, It's literally gone off the charts. Lawlessness is abounding. We're already here. All these have got ticks. Sorry. Okay. Then Jesus says, He who endures to the end shall be saved. I want to look at this word endures. It means to hold one's ground in conflict, bear up under adversity, hold out under stress, stand firm, persevere under pressure, wait calmly and courageously. You know, I believe the Lord wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit so that we can have boldness and so that we can endure in these days that we live in, so that we can hold our ground not aggressively, but calmly and courageously, that we can stand, stand firm. It's hard to stand for righteousness when everything around you is opposite. But he is saying, endure, stand firm. Hold on, it's okay. 
I've got this. You will be saved. What have I got up there? All right, this is an interesting passage of Scripture. Um, I've got to tell you, if I had read a book some years ago with some of the stuff I'm about to tell you, I'd say, well, that's really far-fetched, you know, that's just a bit made up. But you can't make this stuff up. This is amazing. All right, look at this, Matthew 16, 1 to 4. The Pharisees and Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, when evening comes, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation looks for a sign, but none will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. Jesus then left them and went away. Okay, a wicked and adulterous generation gets the sign of Jonah. Do you think we're living in a wicked and adulterous generation? (laughs) Ah, are you ready for this? Look at this. The sign of Jonah. (laughs) This man made headlines all around the world because he was swallowed by a whale. (laughs) And... Look, it says, the real life Jonah. (laughs) Swallowed by a whale, this man's incredible tale of survival. Ah, made me smile. But yeah, it's not the only one. Look at this. As in the days of Noah, Matthew 24, 37. But as in the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Look, what else just made headlines? Britain detains Noah's Ark, doubting it can handle the sea. I mean, all of a sudden, Noah's Ark and Jonah are in the headlines. Exactly two of the signs that Jesus says. That's what I said. You can't make this stuff up. It's funny. You know what I thought was really amusing? When President Trump was in power and his um, vice president, Mike Pence, and all you heard was trumpets, 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 trumpets for four years. Isn't that interesting? Mm. And then now we've got in President Biden and Camilla Harris. And do you know what Camilla's name means? War. Isn't that fascinating? Very interesting. Like I said, you can't make this stuff up. Okay, now I want to go to Revelation. How many slides have I got left? (laughs) I don't think I'm getting through all this today. Okay, but I will try and get through this bit for you. Revelation 6.2. What this is, is uh, we've got the believers in heaven represented by the 24 elders. They've just heard a trumpet telling them to come up here and I will show you what will happen afterwards. 
And then it talks about the seals being opened on the scroll. And the first seal releases a horse. It's a white horse. And so when the first seal comes off, John says, I looked and behold a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. Now, God is so incredible. He knew exactly what we would be dealing with in this day. Look at this, would you? CDC in America, this is one of their publications, they put four horses on, the four horses of the apocalypse. And there's a rider on one of the horses with a crown. Isn't that incredible? This is the Center for Diseases, Disease Control. This is their own publication. That word corona means crown. Now, I want to go back here. It didn't say the rider was wearing a crown. The rider was given a crown. See the difference? He was given a corona and went out conquering and to conquer. The Bible is so on point. He who sat on it had a bow. If we look up the origins of that word bow there, it's talking about a covenant. We are about to see a covenant with the many emerging. It's already here in the Abraham Accords. There are a lot of people who have signed that covenant. What begins the tribulation, it says, is when that covenant is confirmed by what was known as the Antichrist or the son of perdition. So that's what we see in the very first seal. There's going to be a covenant confirmed. He had a bow. That bow means covenant. And a crown was given to him. He went out conquering and to conquer. Wow. I don't know. How, what, what's the real time, Jeremy? <laughs> Let me... What is it? Okay, no, I'll have to leave that. But I will finish off. Sorry, I wanted to show you a Red Sea moment, but we will go. Oh, I keep pressing the wrong button. Okay. Now, I will just quickly finish with Psalm 20, verse 6 to 7. Now, this I know. Sorry, that's a bit blurry. Um, now, this I know. The Lord gives victory to his anointed, he answers him from his heavenly sanctuary. With the victorious power of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Oh, sorry. Give me one more scripture. Okay. Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help and rely on horses, who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong, but who do not look to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. You know, our trust is in the King of Kings. 
And the crown that he wears is an everlasting crown. And the kingdom that he rules is an everlasting kingdom. And no matter how hard it gets, this side of eternity, I can tell you one thing. We have a bright future in our Lord. I know that it's a lot to take in for one day. But I want you to realize the time and the season we're in. And the amazing word of God. It's so accurate. It's so timely. If we want to know what's happening next, don't turn on the TV. Open your Bible. It will tell you exactly what's coming and how to prepare. Would you stand to your feet with me today? (laughs) Ah, I'm just going to give an opportunity If you don't know Jesus, this is a really good time to get to know him. (laughs) Let's put it this way. I wouldn't put it off. Actually, the Bible says it like this. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. Because you don't know about tomorrow. We think we know about tomorrow, but we're not promised tomorrow. We have now. Now is the day of salvation. So if you want to bow your heads with me and if you're in this place or if you're watching me online and you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus Christ, then I want to give you an opportunity today. The Bible says to be saved from what is coming, to be saved from an eternity without God. It's as easy as ABC. A is admit you're a sinner. Now, for some people, that's hard. Some people think I'm a good person. I haven't done anything overly bad, but the scripture tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. B is for believe. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That means putting your entire trust in his goodness and his perfection and his ability to save you. Not your own ability to please God, but putting all of your trust in Jesus' perfection on your behalf. And C is for call. Call upon the name of the Lord. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will be saved. I'd like to lead you in a prayer today if you would like to pray this with me. And we're just going to follow those ABCs. So if you want to receive salvation, if you want to follow Jesus, why don't we just pray together? Heavenly Father, I admit I am a sinner. I need salvation. I believe Jesus is my saviour. I put my trust in him alone. I turn from my past and I embrace the future you have for me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, I want to encourage you. Tell someone the ABCs of salvation this week. Tell them how to be saved. We're running out of time. And it's their time to be saved. So let's go out Be bold, be brave, and be courageous. And let's see what God's going to do. Because he's always amazing. Bless you. Thank you.
Very good. Very good.